What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Unconventional Education Show, where we talk entrepreneurship, we talk mindset, and we talk life experiences to help you level up and become the best version of yourself. Wow. Well, for this one, I wish I hit record about 30 minutes ago when we started this conversation because we've already had so much amazing content and great conversation in this episode so far that could help you guys a ton, but I know that within the next 45 minutes, you guys are going to get so much out of this. So today, guys, my guest is Jeff Lopez. Now, him and I connected through a good friend of mine, Craig Siegel. He was on one of our previous episodes. He came highly recommended, and I can see exactly why after this conversation we just had. He knows his stuff, and he's going to bring tremendous value to you. So to give you a little bit of a background, and I'm going to have Jeff share his story and a little bit more about himself, but Jeff is a husband. He's a father of two. He's been an entrepreneur for 24 years now crazy to think about, man. I've been at it for like nine. I'm thinking 24, like what's going to happen then? But he's founded multiple seven and eight figure corporations, including a portfolio of vacation rental properties, a boxing and martial arts equipment brand. He's the host of the top rated entrepreneurial podcast, Jeff Knows Inc. He's the best-selling author of Entrepreneur Dad, and he's coached countless entrepreneurs in balancing the obstacles of fatherhood and entrepreneurship over the past three years. And overall, this guy is just on fire. So Jeff, Thank you for joining us today, man. It's an honor to have you here. I'm. Uh, this has been a pleasure, man. We we connected about a month, month and a half ago, and uh, right off the bat, great vibe, great communication. I love I love seeing young entrepreneurs yourself hustle, which is your line we're talking about, and, and just in general, just just I love seeing how the whole entrepreneurial world has changed, especially in the last twelve months. There's so many more entrepreneurs coming out of the woodworks. And, and so much more growth. So the future for entrepreneurs is so exciting. So I, I love being part of it. Absolutely, man. And you embody it yourself too. You got the hustle back there. You got, you're saying like pointing around your office where hustle is everywhere, but you truly embody it, man. And, and from our conversation, I can tell you're the truth. So let's start with this, man. Um, where did this all begin? Like your first business, like what got my, you involved in this world? My, my first business was actually, uh, I was 17 years old when I started my first business. That was actually at like a registered actual company. I was hustling, God, when I was like 12, 13, selling sports cards and stuff at shows. But my first business was 17. I don't want to get too much in detail. But long story is I found a need um, at a local shopping mall, um, kind of like a little smaller mall. And um, there was theft going on after school. I was in high school. I ended up asking my parents for 250 bucks. I registered a business for 60 bucks, a sole business. I bought a couple of security jackets, a couple of walkies, hired all my buddies. And long stories, that company ended, lasted for about a year and a half before I ended up selling it because my parents were screaming at me because I was working too much and I was still trying to finish school. And uh, the gentleman that bought that company off me, strictly security services, till this day still runs that company. And that is going on to, God, 28 years, 27, 28 years ago. And then I actually started my first company at 19, which is actually, uh, so I've been officially an entrepreneur working, working as uh, for 25 years now. So January was actually 25 years. And yeah, I just started from there. I've, I've always loved building things, but I also very, as a real entrepreneur, I, I, I build them. And then once I get to a certain level, I feel like I need to start something new. And I get and I get that itch where it's like I get that boredom itch where I need to try something new. So I build something up. I love building it, having a preset that somebody else could take over and then I exit from it. Build, exit, build, exit. I've been doing that for quite a few years for quite a few companies. And then in 2006, 
I saw there was, that was when the whole UFC and martial arts was really getting popular on TV and people were really jumping on the bandwagon. I thought, you know what, there's, there's going to be a little niche here. So I jumped on that company. We started off as an apparel company because I realized right off the bat, if you want to brand yourself really quickly, apparel is the best because your, your, your logo is everywhere. People are wearing it. So I started as the apparel company. I really pushed on towards the advertising. We had 26 UFC fighters were walking out with our walkout shirts in the UFC. And I did that for about a year, year and a bit with the t-shirts. And then I realized very quickly, a lot of other bigger brands were coming in. There was other brands like Tap, but I don't know if you pay attention to UFC, like bigger brands are coming in with a lot more funds to pay these athletes. And that was, that, that was one thing about me is I love pivoting. So that moment I pivoted and I went right into equipment. And then from, a, then from the, we started with the premium brand equipment. From there, we went to a, the kind of a beginner line. And then we went to custom. And then we went to uh, private labeling. We're always pivoting the company. And, and later, uh, fast forward 15 years, we're still in business and we're doing quite, quite good. And a lot of those companies that stayed as apparel companies all went bankrupt after about mm. a year and a half, two years. So it was, it was a situation where I didn't think I was going to keep come over this long. And 15 years later, we're, we're still at it. And it's allowed me to grow other businesses because it's been financially a great little company for us, right? That's incredible, man. And what you're just saying, how you like to get in, build things and exit, right? I'm very similar. I love the challenge. Like I love new challenges and new obstacles that are presented. And once I quote unquote conquer them, I guess I like to move on to the next challenge. So I think that can be a problem for some people though. I think some people get involved with things and like they try to leave too quickly. What's your advice for that? There's, there's two mindsets with it. Um, I always tell people never fall in love with your brand or your company. That's, that's one of my rules because a lot of people stay in too long. Mm. That is, that is one aspect, but getting out too quickly, you, you have to be out at the right time. Like you have to look at the market. You have to see, you got to forecast with the business. We're always forecasting three months, six months and one year. And we're forecasting our products. We're forecasting what is happening. We're forecasting, when the pandemic started, okay, what are people going to do? They're going to be home. Let's, let's bring in some more fitness equipment. So you're always forecasting what the need of the customer is going to be. The minute you're leaving, if you're deciding to leave a little too early, I mean, you just have to, you have to have that mindset where, where your goal was, where your priorities were, right? A lot of people, I, I, I find it's not even leaving too early. I find people leave too late. Mm. And they, they fall in love with a product or they fall in love with an idea and they don't accept or learn how to pivot or change and the market just eats them up or the competitors eat them up. So I don't even think it's people leaving too early. I think it's, it's more people leaving too late. They, 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 they stay in an industry or they start a company. And I'll give you an example with my company. We mastered, I mastered our products. We got 137 different products and for years and years, we were bringing products in the warehouse and it would sit there for five months, six months, and we couldn't sell them. And then, so now it got to the point where we've mastered our products so much that our, we have a shelf life of three months. So we bring a, a load of container from the sea. We have everything max. We give it a 12-week period. If everything is not gone, gone on that skew by 12 weeks, I won't carry it ever again. So we, we work on just rotating products. So if the product literally sits there one day past the three months, I will literally when we restock that product because I want to have fresh, clean products. And every three months, and this is something we we're talking prior to the air, is we revamp the colors, the style, the look, because you always want to have something fresh for the returning customer. Totally. I, th I think what I was more thinking in my mind is how people 
have like that shiny object syndrome, not like, like trying yeah. to sell too quickly. It's like trying to do too many things at once or cause it's like you hear you need seven streams of income to be, or the average millionaire has seven streams of income and people are like, all right, now I need to start this business and this business and this business. That's yeah, more. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So in that, in that matter, you want to master one thing first, always have one thing mastered at a, at a time. I do believe in different streams of income, but they have to be built and they have to be set at a passive income. So when you first start your mindset of, I'm gonna start a business, and if you wanna generate that and turn that website or that business or that rental into a passive income, have in your mind a preset amount that you wanna be coming in, so you have a goal to target. Okay, I wanna bring in $3,000 with this business a month, and then it's, and it's generating itself. So aim, target, achieve that goal, and then move on, but don't forget about it. Just move on and just maintain it. So I do believe in passive incomes and having different streams of revenue because it's so important, especially, I mean, we went through 2020 and if you had one stream of income, if you were affected with that stream, you're done. So having different passive streams of income is very important, but have a goal and master that and get that to a certain level where you know it's running itself properly and then you can move on. Totally. I, I couldn't agree more because I look at it as with anything, man, because you could say with an apparel company or a business, there's always a new level you can take it to. I tell people you need to know exactly what you want out of this because there's always a next level. There's always more income, more revenue yeah. you can produce. Yeah. It, it's, it's knowing like that goal that in the beginning when you get into it. So um, another interesting thing you said with your, your martial arts company, you had 26, did you say fighters wearing your brand going out to, to fight? Yeah, yeah. How did yeah. you make that happen? I mean, that was when the UFC had just started, right? So a lot of athletes were making very, very little. So sponsorship was a huge part of what they did. What so I I had a little different game that I played with. I wouldn't say game. That kind of sounds weird, but I had a different mindset when it came to sponsorship. And I realized that, like I said, branding and getting the apparel and the name out in front of as many people as possible was important. So what I would do is I would call up an athlete and say, "Listen." I, I know you have other sponsors on your shorts. You have other stuff. We don't want anything to do with that. We just want to be your walkout shirt. So what we'll do is we'll design a customized walkout shirt with your ideas, your history, your family, whatever you want on it. Our, we have an artist and staff design it. Our name will go across. They would put their name on it. And what we do is we'd create like 500. We would make like 500 of them. We give them 250. They were allowed to sell it, do whatever they want. They make their income off those 250. They sell it to fans friends, family, and then our 250, we'd sell them for retail. So we, we'd make a good profit margin. And there was really the only investment we had would be on the 250 shirts. And all of a sudden we had photos to reuse on the website. We had photos used for social media. Plus we had the TV exposure of the walkout and the walk-in when they were on TV. So it was a win-win for advertising and it was very little cost on our side. So we started just reaching out to athletes and, and Frankie, like we had all the top guys in UFC wearing our stuff. Cause at that time, like I said, to them to sell 250 shirts at 50 bucks a pop or 40 bucks a pop to their friends. It was decent money for them, right? Extra money on top of their, their salary they're getting paid by the UFC. Totally. That, that's incredible, man. And I kind of want to stay on the topic of, of branding and building that brand. Um, yeah. What were some of the biggest challenges you faced in the beginning when you decided you wanted to go this route? And I love how you said you pivoted once you saw like bigger brands with more money coming in, you realized that to compete with them would probably be a nail in the coffin, right? So you pivoted towards the gear and stuff like that. But when you were first getting the brand going, what were some of the biggest challenges you had to overcome? I mean, it's, 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 it's having a, a, a decent game plan and being able to, in your mind, I can't stress enough, being able to be open to pivoting very quickly. Because we came out with the design. When I came out with the brand, I'll give you an understanding is I always think of the long haul of a brand. 
A lot of brands that came into that industry had very aggressive names. And I don't want to get into brands because I'm actually friends with some of the owners now, but they, again, they had very aggressive names and, and it, you had these aggressive names and I'm like, the long haul of a brand, all of a sudden in my head, if UFC disappeared overnight and I had built this brand, all of a sudden I couldn't pivot to anything else. It had an aggressive fighting name to it. So I picked the name Kamora where, cause it actually, it tried, it still had a martial arts or an aspect to it because Kamora is an actually moving martial art. But I picked that name because it could translate to any other industry. If I wanted to be just in a lifestyle brand, if I wanted to be anything else, I could translate the brand very quickly. So that was the first thing. Um, the second thing is, being an understanding of how to get in front of many eyes as possible for the lowest cost as possible. Because I bootstrap, I bootstrap everything. I literally put very little money into any marketing when I started a business because I want to see, we talked about this organically for the first four, six, eight weeks, 10 weeks, 12 weeks. How are people in the marketing going to take it without me spending money on it? And once I start seeing that and understanding that, that demographic or that target audience, where my target audience truly is, and then I have something more to grasp onto and aim for. And then I can start building it up, right? And I always do it where it's, it's, it's a direction where when you're building a brand, you're, you're building something where it's the long haul. Where is the brand going to go? You, nobody knows a year or two years from now how you're going to pivot, but you're very concise with the color, having a color scheme, your understanding of the color, understanding of the logo, understanding of your demographic, understanding of your mission statement. Once you have all those things in place properly, as the market changes, you're able to pivot and change with it if you set everything from the beginning properly. I love that. And I love how, because I have a similar mentality when I start a business or something new, I think a lot of people are like, we need to just run ads immediately and start pumping this out there and paid advertisement. And I think opposite as well, because it's when you start something, A, you don't always necessarily know if there's a market for what you're bringing out there, you know? And it's important to test it first and kind of see what happens. And as we were talking about before this call, like with my brand, The Hustle Prevails, it really birthed out of like identifying an opportunity because I told you I had the idea, I made a hoodie, 70 people hit me up to get a hoodie. And then I'm like, okay, well, there's clearly something to this that's that I didn't really think about originally. And so starting off that organic way, um, I think is so smart. And I would love to actually continue the conversation we were having before about building, like how, how to go about organically bringing a product to market. Like what are some tactics or strategies you use to actually start with that low marketing budget and bootstrap things? Yeah. So we were talking prior to going on air is brand ambassadors. You want to build, you always hear this when the coaching business or you're trying to build a network, you want to build a community. There's no difference when it comes to a brand, when it comes to an apparel brand, you're trying to build a community and that community will organically grow it for you. So you're one salesperson, you're trying to get your brand out, you're trying to do social media posts, you're trying to talk to as many people as you can. But all of a sudden now, you have somebody that makes, you make them feel that like they're part of it. You make them feel like they're part of this movement. And they, all of a sudden, people like people, people just human nature, we wanna be part of something. So all of a sudden they feel part of this, they feel united in this brand, the hustle prevails. So now guess what, they're gonna be wearing it. So all of a sudden they're wearing it, they're doing posts for it. Their friends are seeing it. So their friends are asking them where they got it. So you're building this organic just reach by just getting as many people in your community as possible. How are you gonna get as many people in your community as possible? You wanna actually be able to give them something back. And there's two different ways we talked about it. One, if somebody buys something going up and above, 
when it comes to actually customer service. So if they get buy a shirt, you're not getting a shirt, you're getting a shirt, you're getting a car, you're getting a keychain, whatever it is, you're going up and above. So you're passing your expectations. So they're going to talk to their friends about like, hey, this guy did this or this brand did A, B, and C and D for me when I just paid for A. That's one. Second is the brand ambassador. And I love the whole idea with brand ambassadors because it's you're essentially building a sales force and it's costing you absolutely nothing. And nowadays with affiliation programs, it's so easy to build a, a great brand awareness where I always tell people is, is it depends on the market, your market. We talked before you go to air. I, I think your market is directly colleges, universities, and, and, and just being able to target someone on a campus and build them into brand ambassadors. All of a sudden you get how many college throughout the U S you get 10 brand ambassadors where they're wearing your apparel in college they are trying to sell your apparel because they're going to get 10% of every sale they get. And they're telling their friends, they're telling their family, all of a sudden they're telling their buddy at another campus, Hey, I'm, I'm doing sales for this company and I get 10% of every sale. They're going to build it. So organically, you're going to build very quickly and it's all through brand ambassadors. And at the end of the day, it's just commission based, right? So everything builds on the back end. It's a back end system and you just organically start building one after two, after three, after four, after four. And we talked before we went on air, on it was a perfect example where they built this community of millions of people all through brand ambassador. So I think it's a great, great way to start off is finding people that will proudly wear your stuff, that will proudly represent it, proudly push it. And then you give back where you build different tiers of commission, different, different tiers. So you're building all these brand ambassadors that are going to pretty much go all over social media and, and try to sell your product for you. So beyond the apparel line, and I love this, that model, I think it's, I think word of mouth's everything and, and communities, everything, as we were talking about, as I've seen in my network marketing business, people will sometimes join and stick around strictly for the community aspect alone. Cause they want to be part of something larger than themselves and feel like they're part of something important. So yeah. I I'm completely with that. What do you think beyond apparel? Cause a lot of people listening to this podcast are entrepreneurs. They have courses, they have a service, a products, whatever is the brand ambassador thing, something that you, recommend applying beyond just apparel to like, like courses or services or something of that nature? hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like you talked about, we're trying to build a community. So how do you build a community? I mean, we live in a, in a world of social presence and social media. So a, a place like clubhouse, a place like anything, anywhere you could organically get a group of people together where everybody's on the same aligned message, you're just going to grow. So whether you're a plumber, whether you're an electrician, whether you're, you're selling a coaching service, at the end of the day, you're trying to get as many people to be wanting to be part of this community. Whether you, like I said, I have a dad talk. So we're trying to get as many dads that want to open up and build this community of dads talking, dads gathering, dads telling their expression, telling their feelings. So by building your community, you're organically week by week by week by week. It's just going to organically grow. And the more it grows, the more people are going to be aware of your product, the more people are going to be aware of your service. And you might not get Tom, but Tom might just want to hang around this community, but Tom's brother might want to join. And, and it just organically grows, right? You never know who you're going to meet or who's going to actually help grow your company. So it's just trying to get as many faces and in front of as many people as possible at all times. I love that. Uh, have you ever read the book Superfans by Pat Flynn? No, I've heard of it, but I haven't read it. No. So I actually, I got it yesterday, literally yeah. yesterday. My business partner's like, you got to read this. We need to start applying this to our business. But it's, it's basically just like the power of having a super fan. And I realized that yesterday. So I recently 
Um, I've been investing in cryptocurrencies for like four years now, just a little bit every single month, small yeah. percentage of my income. Obviously this year it's been crazy, yeah. but I, I have a few friends who have been, they have crypto hedge funds and they're super into it. And so one of my friends opened an inner circle to just show people the trades he's making, the moves he's making to educate. And I got involved with it and I already have so much value I've gotten from it that I literally did an Instagram story yesterday talking about his inner circle and I'm not getting paid anything for it just because I know the value that it's bringing to me. And I don't normally get behind other people's products, but I knew that this would help elevate people's lives if it's something they're interested in. And that's the super fan mentality. Like you give so much, you get people so in love with your product and your message and you're going so above and beyond for, for them that they go out there and they do the word of mouth talking for you. I have talking about that when it comes to super fan, I have six individuals, which we haven't pushed. We actually stopped for a while because we're like, this is getting out of hand. Uh, years ago, we had six individuals actually got our company more tattooed on their bodies. <laughs> this is on, I have it on social media. There's actually like videos of tattooing themselves, our logo. And I don't even have it. And I've had the company for 15 years. And uh, it, yeah, it's, it's crazy because these people are so loyal to the brand. They're so loyal to the movement. They're so loyal to pushing it. Like I had one gentleman where, I mean, this guy has probably got us about 15 wholesale accounts. He has his tattooed and he's just, he's just a regular Joe that trains and doesn't own a gym, doesn't own nothing. He just loves the brand. He has a tattoo of the brand. And he literally, every time I go on social media, he's just praising us, like praising us 24 seven, like we're the greatest thing ever. And, and it's, and it's so impactful. Like I said, we've got probably about 15 gyms in the last probably eight years off this guy. Um, so he's just word of mouth, always talking great about it. So the super fan, the super, it's so powerful. So, so, so powerful. Now, how do you think this guy that you're talking about got to that level of super fandom? It's, it, it takes a certain character, a certain person to get to that level of super fan. But uh, it's, it's, it, it, I mean, we start off just, I mean, I can't stress enough is going up and above. Like I knew he was a really, really like right off the bat, I knew he really liked our brand from the beginning. And because he's Canadian, we're Canadian. He was this guy, one particular gentleman. And right off the bat, we sent him an extra t-shirt and he was like, oh my God, I started doing posts. I'm like, okay. So every time you'd buy something, we'd always send extra things or, or, or as the owner of the company, I usually don't take calls. And if he were to call, ask a question, I would pick up the phone and I would just talk to him because I knew how much he, how much this guy loved our stuff. And I think doing those extra little things going up and above just built this awareness where he, 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 he does posts. He's like loyal for life. Like he actually says that on his post, which is crazy because we're just an apparel, I mean, a equipment brand, but um, you, you get a lot of those fans. And, and, and when you think of the overall, those 15 roughly wholesale accounts have generated hundreds of thousand dollars in business for us in the last few years. So it's crazy how just one person could cause so much traction towards the business because they are a quote unquote super fan. 100%. And it's in reading, like I just read the intro basically of this book. But one of the things is he says, and like you kind of just alluded to is that it's not just one thing that you did. It's a culmination of events, yeah, a culmination yeah. of going above and beyond that got him yeah. to that level. And obviously, it takes a certain person to attach a brand to their identity, like actually yeah. embody that and make it part of them. Um, but I think it also is really interesting to think about the fact that we're in an age where we think we need millions of followers and like all of this, like millions and millions of people following our stuff. But he brought up a great point. He said, if you have a thousand people that are like that guy you just talked about, you can have a wildly successful business. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And you have to understand where you have to understand where you want to go with the brand. Right. I mean, come where 
I'm, I'm pretty open with what we do per year sales and we've done really, really well, but I've never put fuel on it. I, I could have literally took this company and been a 25, $30 million company after four or five years. And I never wanted to, because I saw a lot of these brands explode and then die very quickly. So I never went into the big box retailer. I had three or four opportunities to get into big box retailing and I refused to, because I knew that was going to kill, that kills most companies. So I said, let me figure out a different niche. And from day one, why we actually do the wholesales to these mama papa gyms because i realized from day one a lot of these mama papa martial art gyms they're martial arts they've been martial artists for their whole lives and all of a sudden they get to a certain age and they want to own their own business they start their own club most of these guys aren't business individuals they're not businessmen they're not natural entrepreneurs so they're running these businesses they're struggling to pay the rent so these guys had these customer base their customers were going out to retailers to buy their equipment and then come in and train in their gym i was like no one's selling, no, none of these brands are selling directly to these mama papa gyms because they're small accounts. They don't want these five or under or $300 orders. I'm like, okay, are you guys kidding me? So I started going directly to them and building these relationships with all these gyms. And, and I found a niche where these gym owners became so loyal to us because we were the first ones to go out them and allowing them to have this extra income. So all of a sudden now they would get a person to buy a membership. Now they could sell them an equipment package. And now all of a sudden that membership, which would have been hundred bucks a month. Now off the bat, they sold them a three, $400 package right off the bat on top. And they're bringing, making probably 40, 50 points in their pocket. So it was allowing these gym owners to make a passive income, which they never did before on top of their business. And we started building gym by gym, by gym, by gym, by gym, by gym organically. And we, we hit, I think we're a little over 1800 gyms. We work right across North America with, and right. And, and they're literally loyal. Like these are every month. They might, some of them might be a hundred bucks, $200 or some of them are three, 4,000 or some of them are 10,000 or but they're steadily every month. And they're so loyal to us. And, and we've built our niche. And I think a lot of people, when they go into the market, they, they, really go into a market and they don't have an understanding of figuring out their target audience. So they go into a market and they're like, wow, we have 1.7 million people in this state and we're going to kill it. No, like figure your target market and figure out where your competitors are not going and tack that, build it, build a niche market. Everybody's like, oh, these gym owners, they're too small of a thing. You're not going to build this brand. Yeah. We only had five and we went to 10 and we went to 20. It built. And organically now we got to the point where everybody talks and knows who we are. Like we talked before we went out, we make on an average week, we get about 10 new wholesale accounts because their gyms opening up everywhere. Right. And, and, and that's just organically, we put zero money into building that aspect of the business anymore. That's so incredible. And I, what you just said, I think is the key and make or break of business is the niching down. Like people have a product and they're like, this can help the world. Like everyone can benefit from this. Right. And with our branding, like how, what we teach people, I walk people through building their perfect customer avatar, like, and get so specific, like their name, their age, what do they look yeah. like? What are their hobbies? What, what do they want out of life? What are their pain points? Like you create this person, like is your perfect customer. And then everything is directed. Like you're speaking to that one person. Yeah, exactly. And it's so important. I mean, like even with this in the beginning, I'm like the hustle prevails, like in my mind, I'm like, Oh, everyone it's motivational. Like people can, can rock with this, but I'm like, no, I want to hone it down. It's more entrepreneurs, maybe like, like athletes who are super motivated, but like you have to have that subset. It's so important yeah. to have. Yeah. 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 And you could always look at a brand and figure out different departments, different categories of the brand. Like as you're saying that you're looking at athletes where you might like, we do all, but a lot of compression wear. you might be like, I'm going to do compression wear and we're going to target the compression wear towards sports. 
and we're going to target sports teams for that. And then we're going to do this, these t-shirt lines or a hoodie line towards this and, and have your target audience for different sections of your business. That's, there's nothing wrong with that, but be very specific of who you're trying to target. I mean, you're always going to get different customers, but as long as you have like that exact avatar of who you want to be your target, it's a lot easier to focus on the brand and grow the brand properly. Love it. Couldn't agree more. Um, I want to switch gears here because you, you mentioned it before and I know that you've been pretty active on Clubhouse since it came out and I've kind of the past month have fallen back. Like we, we tried to record our podcast originally. I had terrible Wi-Fi in Columbia. I was in the middle of the jungle, basically yeah. like, I don't know what the hell was going on there, but um, so I took a break and there was a lot of things going on there that I didn't really love, like sitting in and listening to people that were trying to act as if they're experts, but might not necessarily have had the results when you like backtrack and you kind of look like, cause when you hear someone speak, right, you click their profile, you go to their Instagram, you're like, who is this person even done anything yet? But there's a lot of positives as well from clubhouse and we're still doing a weekly room, but just want to hear your take for my audience. Like what? clubhouse has done for you and like kind of what your take is on it. Cause we're still so I, early. With I'm, it. I'm very, I'm, I'm, I'm the easiest way to explain it. I try to push. I'm just like, you. Yeah, I'm trying to push away from clubhouse. Be honest. The whole social media world. I, I clubhouse is great for certain individuals. I, I personally wish it never came around because just one more platform to focus on. Um, I'm very, I focus on my, my, my schedule is very precise. I study my schedule. I block my schedule. Everything is blocked in my schedule. My family comes first, everything else comes after. And clubhouse is just one more thing where I think a lot of people are getting lost on. And, and what's going to happen is six months, a year from now, these people are going to have 30, 40,000 followers, hundred thousand followers on, on clubhouse. They've wasted six months of their life. Well, guess what? I make, I've, I've created those six months, seven other businesses. And I think that is the biggest issue is you're getting, I find with clubhouse is you're getting, everybody's a millionaire. Everybody's rich. Everybody's successful. It's a bunch of bullshit. It's just like the coaching world. And I could tell you this is, and that's why I really, really started honing down on coaching because I was finding you're getting so many individuals that are coaches that have never accomplished nothing. They've never built nothing. They've never written a book. They've never helped anybody. And I was just like, I was sitting there watching these guys and, and watching them try to DM and sell me all day long. And I would get all these guys coming in and, and you get these dropped into your DMs like, hey, you want to scale your business. You want to do this. And the first thing I would always ask them is like, Oh, have you looked at my profile? And then the next message, they don't look at your profile. Next mm -hmm. message they're trying to think I go. And I would be like, did you do any research on us? And I just play around with them. Cause like I'm, I'm sitting there laughing. Cause it's, it's, it's a tale. Social media is a tale of coach trying to sell a coach, trying to sell another coach. It's just everybody's chasing each other's tail. And that's what it is. And I found clubhouse is elevates that to the next level. So to be honest, do I like clubhouse? Um, it could be a useful tool. I'm looking at different avenues to use it right now. So right now I'm very precise. I only go on once a week now and I have a dad talk. That's mm. all it is. I have a dad talk and it's just a community. We're building a community with dads and um, we had it on Sunday, but I was kind of, it, it, it wasn't working because Sunday came along and I just wanted to chill with my family. I'm like, I don't want to be on clubhouse on Sunday night. So we switched it to Friday afternoons now. And that's just very precise. We go on there. I go on there for one hour, John. And as soon as the hour is done, I literally say, bye guys. And I rooms ending in five, four, three, two, one, we're done. We're out of here. And, and I'm very precise with my time because I find, I, I see a lot of guys because I have it on my notifications and my phone's getting pinged every 24 seconds. Somebody's on clubhouse, something else. And guys are on there for seven, eight hours a day. Yeah. 
So I, I do think it could be a useful tool if you use it very precise to what you want. I think it'll be, it's a great tool. I actually created the room and I think you should too for my podcast. So I have, I created an actual, you can create your own rooms now. It's, it's the club. Open the club. So I created mm-hmm. a club for um, Jeff Knows Inc. Because I think this is going to be the next level of podcasting. It was funny because I was asking to use when you're on at the end of the month, I, we're going to talk about that. I want to do, you're going to probably be one of my first going to do this, where you could actually have, like we're doing here, a live podcast, but you, I turn on my phone, you turn on your phone, and we just let it play. And no one else joins the room if anybody wants to listen. So we're playing it live, our conversation live on, on Clubhouse as well. So you utilize that as an extra tool to bring followers and listeners to your podcast. Um, so I think that could be a useful tool for it. And you're already doing it, so you're not wasting any more time. Mm-hmm. So I think that could be a very useful tool, but in general, if you're not very precise of what you're trying to get into, like I don't got three hours to sit there and put my hand up and get into a room and then listen to 30 other people talk and they have a clue what they're talking about. You have no clue what they're doing. And, and then finally get up there and, and, and you're talking, you're like, I just, it's a complete waste. So to do that, I can't do that right now. I, I just don't have the time and I don't have the energy right now. So if you're very precise and you know what you want for clubhouse and you control your own room, you're your own monitor moderator. Fantastic. But besides that, I think it's, 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 it's a tool that people are not utilizing right right now. They're just wasting their time because it's just, it's an ego thing right now. It's just trying to see who can get the most followers. It's all about ego right now on Clubhouse. Yeah. You know, I think social media in general is if you're an entrepreneur, you need to adopt a producer mentality versus consumer mentality. And there's so many people that, first of all, like you said, spend hours and hours and hours just sitting there. But what I've noticed is that the people who are gaining all of these followers are people who... I hate to say this, but probably didn't really have a successful business in the first place. And that's why they have so much time to just sit there and babble and talk about things that they heard Grant Cardone or someone successful say, and then regurgitate it. And yeah, it's just really frustrated me. But I also like when, when you're in a room of people who do know what they're talking about that do have results, which you have to be very careful and, and kind of like know who you're dealing with. But cool connections have come of it, but I feel very similarly to you as well. And you have to be very protective of your time because people are literally, like you said, I don't think like I got the app in early January. I don't think I've seen these people leave the app since then. Like they are constantly on it. But, I, but that, that to me is just a red flag. I'm like, how, if you have this business you're talking about, do you have this much time to spend just I honestly babbling? think eventually it'll slowly die out. Mm-hmm. It'll, I say give it to six, everything is between the three to six month period. So I, I would honestly say between May and June, July, you'll see the numbers. If you look, a lot of the rooms, those rooms are having, those rooms that are having 1,200, 1,400 people or two, now they're having 400, 500, they're, they're dying out. These people, mm-hmm. it's just, and, and, and there's always the, the, the very basic seven or eight guys that always start their rooms every morning. And literally that room is running all day. Mm-hmm. and and they great they have now these guys had no social presence on instagram but all of a sudden now they have 30 40 000 people and they're the king of the world and i i don't even want to name them but um <laughs> i know i i know a few of them they have their own podcasts i know a few of them and i know for a fact they're full of shit they've never built nothing they, they all tell everybody they've built these eight-figure companies and i'm like where's where's the results what, what have you done Right. right. And actually that was on a clubhouse once. And, um, and actually got in kind of, that was one of the things that frustrated me. I kind of got an argument with one of the guys there and, um, and, and they're like, Oh, what have you done? I'm like, well, I got, I got 10 properties. I got companies that are making millions. Like, like I have assets, I have stuff. I have a family. Like I've had books. Like what the hell have you done? 
and he was quiet and he's and he's getting all like like upset at me i'm like i don't got time for this that was one of and that was early pardon me pardon me it was probably the second or third week in, in january when that really happened and from there on it's been a situation where i'm very precise of what i go on there for i go in there i have a mission i complete the mission and get the hell out yeah Love it. That's the way you got to do it, man. It's what you got to do. It. And you and you talked before about it's all a circle of coaches trying to sell each other coaching, basically. I mean, my freaking DMs, man, I can rip my hair out every single day looking at some of these. I'm like, just the copy and paste, the lack of personalization, just people don't even take the time. And when someone does, like for me, if I'm trying to connect with someone, especially for my podcast, they are getting a personalized voice message and I'm letting them know I've done my homework and like I'm showing them what's in it for them. If they're coming on my show, I'm not just yeah. copy and pasting some message and just firing away because yeah. yeah. it doesn't work anymore, man. No. You're not going to get anyone who's competent and good at what they do to respond to something like that. No, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. So I would love to, we, I want to, uh, be respectful of your time here, kind of wrap up on your book and your coaching yourself, because I know, just from our conversation that you've had results. And I'm the same way. I, I speak from experience. I speak from what I've personally done and what I know. I don't talk about anything that I don't. I'll be the first to admit yeah. if something's out of my realm of expertise, but would love to just kind of hear a little bit about your book, what inspired that and what inspired you to start coaching people and helping other people level up their business. Yeah. So I'll dive into the coaching aspect of it. And that the whole coaching aspect started a little over three years ago where I had an entrepreneur come up to me. It's like, Hey, you've been doing this for so long. Can you help me out? And, and, and to be honest, it even went down to probably about seven or eight years ago. I would have guys come to the office, gym owners or, or personal trainers or people that are self-employed and be like, Oh, can you give me an idea for this? Or, and I would always just throw them an idea, throw them a thing. So that started about three years ago. I actually took it on to the point where I said, let me, let me sit down with you and go through my, some ideas and let's create a business plan. So I started with, I've taken, we talked about this and I have actually, I have a mark mark because I have literally video testimonials of all of them. I took in 64 entrepreneurs over a three year period from startup. I mean, some of them, um, it was more helping get in their trademarks, building their websites. Other of them was actually creating business plans. Other was helping them getting loans. It all depended on what they came through. So I'm the type of person where when I'm coaching, it's no hocus pocus. You just come to me and say, Jeff, I need this. Okay. I'll figure out a way to do it. And what I love with the last 12 months since I started the talk is I've networked so many people and I built so many close, strong relationships where now my network is so big. If I can't figure it out, I guarantee I could have somebody else figure it out in two seconds. So, or I'll have somebody that could produce or get that, whatever has to be done very, very quickly. And I'll give you an example. Like I had um, a young individual come to me and um, he didn't financially, he wants to write a book. He didn't financially, wasn't able to pay for a ghostwriter and he didn't, he didn't have time to write it. He wanted a ghostwriter. Most places were charging him $1.52 to, um, to uh, a word to have a ghostwriter for his book. And he wanted a 30,000 page books you're looking at 30 40 50 thousand dollars to write a book and he went to two three everybody was roughly the same i said okay let's let's sit down for a second figure this out i made some phone calls i started looking at my network i found a connection of a young copywriter just finished university wants a job connected them together they were going to work a percent off the sale of the end of the book he's writing the book for free to him so there's ways of angling and helping people and that was with three four phone calls so my mindset with coaching is results you come to me for a b and c if it takes me five days to help you if it takes me two months to help you but i'm going to get the results done and then we're going to move on you can move on to something else and i always had that mindset so i was coaching 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 and when i started the podcast in this past year ago I was getting all these young entrepreneurs coming on the podcast. They're very successful. They have these massive followings. 
And I was realizing very quickly, as soon as you're on the phone call, they were calling me up like, hey, can you help me with this or help me with that? And I started seeing that a lot of these entrepreneurs, there was a niche and a need for what they needed to be done. So I started slowly adding more clients on and I started getting actually training to pay clients and taking on customers. But my huge passion was fatherhood. And for 12, almost 14 years, um, we didn't go through the story of my son, but there's a big story with my son. And I really studied fatherhood and, and, and parenting. And I saw there was a lack of that. We were getting these young entrepreneurs coming onto my podcast. And a lot of them had that, that struggle with their dad or that broken relationship with their dad. I'm like, why would you have be? And they're like, that was their, 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 their goal to be successful because they, they had to prove their dad wrong or something. I'm like, well, I'm pretty successful. I have a great relationship with my dad. So I couldn't understand it. So I started saying there's got to be a blend between that. So I created the platform for entrepreneurial dads. And it's essentially, it's fatherhood and coaching businesses at the same time. We mesh them together. And, and what I wanted to do is I didn't want to focus on high level entrepreneurs. I wanted to focus on mama, papa shops, small business owners. So I created a platform that everybody could afford. It's 47 bucks a month. I coach you once a week. Everybody gathers together. Uh, we, we hold you accountable. I built an on-track program. Then once a week, we have five questions you got to answer for your family, for your fitness, for your lifestyle, for your business. And we keep you on track with your goals. We set your goals. And once a week, we have an open forum where I answer all your questions. I'll help you with your business in a group setting. And we talk about fatherhood and we build, build relationships. And at the same time, we network. So for 47 bucks a month, you're essentially getting coached four times a month by myself and our team. So it's pretty, pretty impactful. And that's how the whole coaching aspect is called man's purpose kind of built out. Amazing, man. I love it. And I, I love anything that's just got impact that comes first and attached to that. And I love that you're coming from a place of results. Like you're coming from a place of like, I've been there, I've done it. This is what it is. And, and you're helping people actually achieve something tangible. Whereas I feel like a lot of people, as we're talking about in this Instagram coaching realm, aren't even really doing anything measurable. They're kind of, no. they're coaching, but there's no like real when you're done, like what measurable result did I achieve from paying some of these people, like some people are paying like five figures to, oh, to easy. coach easy. by people that don't have anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And a lot of these, I, I don't even want to trash talk other coaches, but a lot of the coaches, it's, it's the life coaching, right? They're there to open up your mind and, and, and reframe your mind. And these people are all motivated and they're hustled and they're, they feel like they could conquer the world. But at the end of the day, their business hasn't changed. Mm. I'm, I'm here to make you more money. If you want to make more money, I'll help you. More. If you want to network more, I'm going to help you network. You want to write a book, I'll help you write a book. You want to start a podcast, I'm going to help you create a podcast. It's essentially, I'm here to get results. That's all I am. Love it, man. And that's the way it should be. That's, that's how we should, we should be aiming to help people actually achieve something rather yeah. than just give money over. So yeah. I love that, man. Um, one more question. Yeah, 100%. This, I, I ask this to everyone who comes on my show and my book and a lot of the message that I stand for is about how the most important things we learn in life to become successful come from outside of traditional school through experiences, through things that happen outside the four walls of that classroom. So if you had to pick one thing, and I know there's probably a million you could think of, but just one thing that you've learned outside of traditional school that's led to your success, what would you say that is? Sales. Sales. Number one thing, and I argue about this all the time, our school system is so broken and, and it's something I'm very passionate about. And it's something I'm actually working on right now. But anywhere, any, any youth from 14 to 18 should be taught three skills, sales, networking, and public speaking. 
If those three things were taught in every high school across North America, we'd have better leaders, we'd have better entrepreneurs, we'd have more successful people, we'd have people that move up the chain in, in corporate America or corporate Canada very quickly. People get into these, these people finish school and they get into the real world and they have never learned a basic tool like sales and everything we do, whether you're picking up your girlfriend, whether you're picking up your future wife, whether you're, you're, you're negotiating a deal at the flea market to try to get a better deal, you're always trying to sell something. You're always trying to sell yourself. And that's a tool that's never taught to nobody. So I'm very passionate. My kids, like I literally do public speaking with my kids. I teach them sales. I teach them strategic things that they're going to be able to use in the real world. And I think that is the lack. I think sales will be the top of my, my pinnacle because if you could sell, you'll move up in any company or any business very quickly. Totally, totally. It's, and that, that's one of the main things in my book is the different ventures I had and, and cold sales type things that helped me build those skills because you're not taught that in school. So I think that's an excellent answer. And uh, Jeff, I really appreciate you coming on today. I could have a conversation with you, I feel like all day, but um, where can people go to connect with you? Where's the best place to find you? Yeah. So I'm, I'm primarily on, I try to focus on, even though I'm on all the platforms, I try to focus on one. So I'm primarily on uh, IG, Instagram. You can find me at Jeff Lopes. It's J-F-F-L-O-P-E-S. And um, if you're a dad entrepreneur, I, I love to uh, reach out to you, reach out to me. You could hit me on the website is jeffreylopes.com. It's J-F-F-R-E-Y-L-O-P-E-S.com. Awesome, man. So I will put your Instagram handle down in the show notes to make it easier to find. But Jeff, again, thank you. And guys, if you are listening to this episode and you got value from what you heard from Jeff today, all we ask is to talk about this. If, if you're talking to a friend and the topic of branding comes up, the topic of just betterment, becoming a better person, leveling up in life, share this podcast with them. Take a screenshot of this podcast and put it up on your Instagram story and tag us so we can share it as well. And DM us, what did you get from this episode? What were your takeaways? We'd love to continue the conversation. But again, Jeff, thank you. This was fire. I am excited to get this out there. Guys, thank you for listening today. And we will catch you on the next episode. Later, everybody. Right.